0: This is Season 1, Episode 3 of the Going to Beyond the Food Pro Series, and today we're going to talk about the starting point of the non-diet approach. Did anyone say diet mindset? Stay tuned. Welcome to the Going to Beyond the Food Show. I'm Stephanie Dozier clinical nutritionist and emotional eating expert, creator of the Going to Beyond the Food method, and founder of the Going to Beyond the Food Academy, Corporate executive turned health expert with my own journey with weight, body image, and food, it's now my mission to help smart, successful women like you live confidently right now and unconditionally. Ready, sister? Let's do this. Hello, my dear sister calling. (laughs) Hope you're doing well today. This is episode three of an eight part series dedicated to all the health professional who follow me are an asking question of how they can start using an on diet approach in their practice. So if you're a regular listener of the podcast, still welcome in, but know that some of these topics may not be relevant to you, but they are to the professional who wants to start helping us crush diet culture and get more practitioner more health professional that will not support diet culture. So that is a passion project for me to train more people in this field to transition a lot of the traditionally train health practitioner into this model of a non diet approach so eight part series four episodes are dedicated to professional skill set and that 's one today and four are dedicated to business training because and it 's very important for everyone to understand this when you choose to use a non diet approach to food and to health you are almost forced. To create your own business, because this is not a model of care approach that's recognized in the vast majority of public health or even uh, private health sector. I'm thinking the United States here. Therefore, you become an independent practitioner and have to run your own business so you can create an income for yourself, right? So, um, that and that running a business in a non diet model is vastly different than a traditional health business. So that's the intention here. Now, here's a quick recap of where we've been. Episode 1, we talked about the harm that we could be causing our patients and client by applying a traditional model of counseling with nutrition. Then we went in episode 2 and talked about what the heck is an intuitive eating business and what do I actually sell? Cuz I need to create a revenue for myself, but how am I going to package this and actually create an income for myself. And then uh, episode three is today is where do we start with our client? Now, I referred to this in episode one, the non diet model is a bottom up approach. We don't tell client what to do from the, the top, we instead go right at the bottom and look what actually drives the behavior around food, around health. And we quickly realize that it is the brain, the mind, right? And that's where I coined the term diet brain is what I've realized in practicing with women. And my own journey is that my brain and the brain of my client had rewired and had adapted to years and years of, this failure system that's called dieting. And to survive it, it had rewire itself. And that's what's called diet mindset. And it's more than a mindset. It's actually how the brain literally physiologically change to survive dieting. Now, if you are a practitioner and you're not formally trained in a non-diet model, And you want to perhaps start introducing some of those practices for you. The first place I'd like you to start is to go get our intake form. So I'm giving them away for free. All you have to tell me is where you want me to send them. It's in the show notes. And here's what I want you to do with those first. I want you to assess your own relationship to food and your relationship to dieting with those forms. You'll see when you receive them, um, And then you let me know how you fared and if you have any question, because the, I think the biggest, the trigger point into the non-diet model for professional is that it cannot be taught intellectually. You actually have to practice it yourself to be able to explain it to your clients. So this intake process will be of great help to you. So here's what we're going to cover today the professional approach to diet mindsets, right? The brain with regards to food and health. We're going to take a step back and look at how humans make food choices, how the diet brains develop. um, And we're going to look at the solution, which is uh, self-coaching. So let's start with the diet mindset professional training. Um, And that's going to be very quick because um, most of us, have not received any training or any courses or a division of our program that was built around behavioral change, how the mind impact the behavior of food choices and health choices. What we were given and told and educated around is that give a lot of data points to your client, give a lot of fact, convince them with studies and evidences that they have to make better food choices and I know for me it was left there so I went into practice and applied that model that I was taught and I very quickly realized that it wasn't going to work I was preparing those long protocols right and even making copies of studies of my client and Literally, my clients were looking at me with big eyes, completely overwhelmed and scared at the complexity of what they would have to do. And then they would come back and I would keep trying to convince them with data points and facts and it was making them worse. But I had no other tool. Now, why was that working? Well, back then I had no idea, but... Fast forward to today, after years of independent study in the field of psychology of eating, I can tell you why. Intellectual knowledge is not what motivates humans to change or make different choices. And this is especially relevant to the world of food. So if data points and fear-mongering is it an effective tool to help people change their habits what is. Now, this is where we're going to take a step back. We're going to look at what research has determined to be involved in human food choices. And then we're going to go back to what I call diet brain. So let's go back to how human make food choices. So there's determinants and many of them not just one, to make food choices. So quickly get over them. Biological, economic, physical, social, and psychological. Now, not all of them do we have a reach or an impact as a healthcare professional. So let's look at them in a little bit more depth. Biological determinant is what we teach in the world of intuitive eating. That's our hunger, fullness, and satisfaction. Now we're thought in school about hunger and fullness, but we barely talk about satisfaction yet that's 30% of the biological determinant when it comes to food choices. Now I want to touch about, about another biological determinant that is not about food choices, but that is very common in our practices, which is set point, If you've not been trained on set point theory when it comes to the human ability, yes, yes, the human, each one of our bodies' ability to manage our weight, I would highly recommend you go listen to our episode with Chris Sandel on our regular podcast feed. And I've linked to that in the show notes. The second layer of determinant is economic determinant, right? Think of it here as cost, income, availability of food, which is truly out of our control as a health practitioner. The next determinant is physical. This is education, skill set, like cooking skills, time availability, which again, is mostly out of our control as a health practitioner. Now, the next layer of determinant we have an impact on, social determinant. Now, this is pretty wide. Think of it here as culture, family, peers, even meal patterns, which differ from culture to culture, and weight stigma. This is a major social determinant for our particular population in our practice, otherwise known as weight discrimination. There is emerging evidence that experiences with weight discrimination may lead to different eating behavior. For example, individuals are more likely to eat food after being stigmatized about their weight. There's actually another study that reported 79% of women use food to cope with weight stigma on multiple occasions. All the research are linked in the show notes. So this is where you can start impacting your client by educating them about weight stigma, but most important in a non-diet approach, helping them heal their relationship to their body. The next layer of determinant, this is where we're playing big. Psychological determinant in the world of mind and emotion, mood, stress, guilt, which is so relevant when you've been dieting for years. Now, there is a lot of research that recognizes that mood and emotion influence our food choices. And this is why this is the first three pillar of the going to be on the food method, this non-diet approach that I keep referring to. That's where I talk about bottom up approach because it has a bigger impact on our clients food choices than intellectual knowledge. And data a point, we have to help them regulate their emotion change their mindset around food and health and their body image so that they naturally, sustainably make better choices. And the last one is attitude, belief, and knowledge about food. Do you see how this is like the last layer? Now we go there in a non-diet approach, but we go there at the end of the process not at the beginning because it never gets to the root of the decision so because of our backward approach to health and nutrition choices that we are taught in school that we then apply with our client that is part of the reason why our client developed what i call diet brain Because what's unique about human eating behavior, unlike many other biological function, is that we can use cognitive control to change our innate cue. We can bypass hunger and fullness cue by using the prefrontal cortex part of our brain to overrule them. We can't do that. When it comes to our blood pressure, like even if you sit here today and you say, I'm going to lower my blood pressure, not going to happen, but you can do that with food. So what happened is and I'll include myself in there. We consciously start manipulating our food choices, our hunger, our fullness, our need for satisfaction so we can achieve in most cases, a changed body, a weight loss. And here's where it's even more relevant for women client. There is studies reporting that women are significantly overruling their biological determinant in order to achieve a different body size. When you consider that 91% of women in Western society dislike their body and are being told to use diets, cognitive food restraint, to meet diet culture expectation of their body and their size, no wonder how we rewire our brain and we develop what is called diet mindset or diet brain further along we know that diet doesn't work right there's a 91 to 95 percent failure rate of any diet over a five-year period yet we keep doing it because we are told we being the one we diet i include myself in there our clients are being told that it's their fault they didn't try hard enough. They should have had more willpower, that they're broken because it works for everyone else. And you sit alone in your house after 10 years of trying and it doesn't work, you're starting to think at the deep level that something is wrong with you. And you start creating adaptation thinking pattern to survive this misery that you're stuck into. Now these adaptation pattern are called thought errors or cognitive distortion. That's how we adapt to this constant cycle of dieting. Now I want to take another step back and teach you in case you're brand new to the world of how the minds affect our health and eating choices. There is, and there's a graphic for that in the show notes. So you may want to pause here and upload the show notes. It'll be easier for you to understand what I'm talking about here. But I'm going to teach you in a five minute here how the brain function, right? We are faced with event in our life, right? A trigger, event, people, choices we have to make. That's called, in the graphic in the show, called circumstance, right? We are faced with a choice we have to make. And then that goes into our brain within milliseconds. And then it's put through our filter of life, what I call our perspective, right? This is our long health belief, our value system, our past experience, diet culture. And then we make a decision. We create a thought about this choice, right? We have to make a choice. We evaluate it with our perspective. We make a choice. We create a thought, a decision point that then creates an emotion in our body. Every thought we have, creates an emotion and our emotion are what creates our action or behavior. The collective of our action then creates our result. And this, my dear friend, is the cycle of life. This is why the research on food choices points out a psychological cultural and social determinant as the main driver of food choices, because it's emotion-based. Over time, the brain, the mind, adopt ways of thinking, because what we innately think, feel, and act upon is wrong. So we start modifying this way of thinking, and that's what we call thought errors or cognitive distortion. Now there's many of them. I'm going to give you a few here, but I'm going to also talk to you about the one that are specific to yo-yo diet or chronic dieter or people with disordered eating. So Cognitive thought error can go as far as jumping to conclusion, black and white thinking, catastrophizing, overgeneralization, labeling, emotional reasoning, magnifying, minimizing. Now, diet brain is a collective of those four most observed thought error present in women who have been long-term restrainer, Chronic dieter, yo-yo dieter, a disordered eater. Put it, them all under the term "chronic dieter." That was my experience and the one of all the women that I worked with. And this is where diet brain came from. So what are those four main distorted way of thinking that are acquired by the diet cycle? Number one all or nothing, black and white thinking. This is best described as the on the diet, off the diet lifestyle, the labeling of food, good and bad food, dichotomy of food. Now, here's where this is significantly impactful, is over time of starting to have an all or nothing, black and white thinking with food, with health, this rewiring of our brain start affecting all aspects of our life. The way we exercise, the way we work, our approach to our career, relationship, how we raise our children, etc., etc., etc. When I work with long-term dieter, which is 99% of my clientele, They have an all or nothing black and white thinking in their whole life. And when you start studying neuroscience, you quickly understand why. Because when you wire the brain, the neurons to think one way or to act one way, it cannot just be applied in one part of your life. It is applied in everything in your life. This is why diet brain is so powerful. And this is why if we don't start there with this segment of our population, it will be a guaranteed failure because the problem is never food. The problem is all or nothing black and white thinking. Now, here's the second one, perfectionism. Now, simply put, this is the everything must be perfect, so I can be worthy of love and acceptance. At first, it's with diet and food and exercise, but as failure accumulate, it becomes a way of life that prevents the person from rejection to the, their believed imperfect body. This is a coping mechanism for what they believe to be not good enough. Now this. Cognitive distortion leads to perfectionist fantasy. This is when we make our current life so miserable by thinking that if we can only solve the weight of our body or or its appearance, this will provide us with the happiness we are seeking. And I want to caveat here with also the segment of our population that says If I could only be optimally healthy, I will finally lose the weight so my life will be perfect. This is perfectionism still. Here's the third determinant of diet brain. Mental filtering. It's my body's fault. The body and the size of our body takes the blame for everything that's wrong in our life. From health, to relationship, to opportunity, to the way we feel, to the way we live, it's the fault of our body. If our body could be smaller, there would be no problem and our life would be perfect. And that leads to a lot of comparing ourselves. And I use the word our because I am the typical client here that is a better approach with the non-diet approach. And then the fourth element of diet brain is people pleasing. This is when women move to external validation of their worth because their own internal validation of their self-worth is absent. They internally do not believe that they're good enough, that they're worthy because of their body size or their inability to lose weight. So then they move on to get this validation that every single human being need from the world outside of them. So they become people pleaser. They please, they do, they comfort everyone around them to avoid potential rejection and gaining acceptance. These are the four most common cognitive distortion present with chronic dieter or disordered eater. If you're a practitioner who's been practicing for a while, you are recognizing yourself or a lot of your clients. So in a non-diet approach, what do we do with this? How do we help our client from a bottom up approach? This is when self coaching comes in. Self coaching is a framework that supports changing the way we think, rewiring the brain to no longer be perfectionist, all or nothing, people pleaser, blaming our body for everything. It is based from two principles. Number one, neuroplasticity, which is the brain's ability to reorganize itself and heal itself, which is something that neuroscience fully recognize. right? We have this ability to change if we do it the right way. And then the second element where self-coaching was created from is cognitive behavior therapy, which is an approach, a tangible approach, like step one, two, three, four, five, to actually change the way we think. So as you can teach this model to your client, you will help them change their mindsets. Now, self-coaching is, you can find out more about self-coaching on my website, and I've linked to the article in the show notes as well. Uh, but basically, it's a framework. Right, I teach it into five step. Um, if you take my program or if you take the mentorship program, it's taught to you right off the bat as well. But think about it into three layer. The first layer of self coaching is to develop the ability to observe oneself. It helps you develop the skill set of being the observer of your inner world, of your thoughts, and of your emotion. And this process of observation raises the level of interoception, right? This ability to feel our inner world. And that is greatly helping the intuitive eating process, which teaches our client to connect with hunger, fullness, and satisfaction, which is all inner world experiencing. So think of self coaching and intuitive eating as brothers and sisters they work along in the exact same goal the second layer of self-coaching the second step if you want is about developing a non-judgmental observation of our own behavior and, and, and intuitive eating again hand in hand teaches shifting from judgment to curiosity the same goes with when we heal our mindset. Instead of judging our thoughts, we actually ask ourselves, I wonder why my brain thinks like that. I wonder why. You become curious. And then the last layer of self-coaching, right, is conscious response. It's about Choosing how you want to respond to event, to trigger, to circumstance instead of reacting unconsciously. And I can give you an analogy here. It's when people binge or overeat. right? The binging process is an unconscious reaction to a bunch of emotion that they have within themselves. The best interrupter or the most efficient interrupter of binging or overeating is actually mindfulness, is becoming conscious of what's happening of the eating process in the middle of the binge and actually without judgment, asking yourself what is going on. So you then become conscious. You can continue to eat. I would say to my client, continue to eat. But do it from a place of consciousness, from a place of being present. And when you do that, I guarantee you that the food will not taste the same, that you probably will not eat as fast, and you likely are to stop when you feel full. That's the conscious response element. And self-coaching, again, work hand-in-hand with intuitive eating because that's the premise of intuitive eating, right? Make conscious choices about food. Self-coaching helps you rewire the brain so it's easier and faster for the client to become an intuitive eater, now, self-coaching is how I adapted the cognitive behavior therapy model for the purpose of the Don diet model. So let's start with that framework. Uh, but if you uh, have learned cognitive behavior therapy, you can adapt it on your own to help your client. We teach self-coaching in the mentorship program, the professional mentorship, and we teach it in the Going to Beyond the Food Academy. And that's what I like to refer as the feminist approach to food. Because when we talk about feminism, and we'll have an entire episode on feminism and food, but when we talk about feminism in the context of diet culture, food and body image, we talk about looking at food and body image from a place of empowerment. And empowerment start in the way we think. Because the way we think then creates the way we feel. And the way we feel creates the action we take. So there you have it. This is how we as non-diet professional help our clients recover from diet mindset. Help rewire their diet brain and work from a bottom up approach. Now, if you want to hear the other podcasts in the series, you got teased on this one and you like it, you can go to stephaniedolze.com slash pro series. You will not only see there the other podcast episode available, but you will also see more training. We do have um, webinar training available Uh, We have one coming up on May the 5th and then one on May the 19th. And then once we have done them live, I'm gonna repackage them and you'll be able to access them in a replay. So no matter when you're listening to this, um, you will be able to access those three webinar in on that uh, sector of our website. We also have article that I've written uh, you can go and check that out in the pro series section and the going to be on the food mentorship program, which is a six month business and professional training skill set program that is exclusively designed for female health practitioner. Um, to master their own journey beyond food with intuitive eating and body neutrality, but also learning how to market their business with heart so they can have a massive impact on other women. This is my passion project to help crush diet culture by uh, equipping more professional with the non-diet approach. So on the next episode, it'll be a business episode and we'll talk about how a non-diet marketing approach is vastly different from a traditional health marketing approach. Stay tuned for that. I love you, sister, and I look forward to hang out with you on the next podcast.